This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Saki. And welcome to the Final Inspection Show, of course, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. We certainly appreciate uh, their support. And uh, as you know, uh, uh, with the uh, shelter-in-place order, I guess you want to call it, extended through uh, May 26th, Great Lakes Dragway is not open, but hopefully in the next few weeks we'll, we'll... We'll start easing up on that, and uh, soon we'll be out at Great Lakes Dragway enjoying the weather as, of course, we're approaching May, and it's going to start warming up, and I'm sure that's something that the Polish pipe bomb, Jeff Orlowski, would like to do, who's joining me. Jeff, how are you doing today, sir? Oh, not too bad. You know, feel like crap today, uh, but uh, it's a pleasure to be with you, Steve. The sun is not out. It hasn't been a great week weather-wise, but um, uh, hopefully that will be changing here. As It's hard to believe um, next Saturday, our next show, it's going to be May 2nd. The month of May is nearly um, uh, upon us. So uh, we're going to have a fun show today. Um, we're going to be, well, basically tell you what, what's been canceled next. There's a few cancellations I wanted to chat about here, and then uh, we'll be talking with Dennis Michelson in the next segment, and we have a really interesting thing, something in that happened uh, in history that, it, just one of those things that kind of slipped through my cracks, I was not aware of this, and then it's it's an extraordinary story involving NASCAR legend Bill Elliott, so we'll be talking about that in the uh, next segment here, and then... Uh, of course, uh, we'll be talking uh, Packers. We'll be breaking in with the Packers draft pick when that happens, but that probably won't be happening until the second half of the show after the 1 o'clock break. And uh, lots to talk about there, Jeff, certainly with the Packers and the NFL draft occurring right now, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. They are uh, putting on a clinic on how to uh, have the worst <laughs> draft possible. And uh, it's like they... Uh, you know, became the Chicago Bears or the Cleveland Browns uh, right before the draft. And uh, so far, in, in my opinion, it's been an absolute debacle, and uh, our team has gotten worse. When uh, we were a game away from the Super Bowl, and uh, we had some uh, holes that needed to get plugged, and instead of doing that, we're going in completely opposite directions. So uh, we'll get into that later, but uh, so far what they've done makes no sense to me. And we'll certainly be talking about that in the next hour. We'll also have uh, Bart Winkler on from the Bart Winkler Morning Show. will be joining us in the second hour. And, of course, Mara Mitch working the board. He will also be joining us. We'll be getting some feedback from Mara Mitch. So uh, racing season, not a lot going on, Jeffrey. So how are you getting through these days? Are, have you been doing uh, watching the iRacing, or have you been watching older older race movies. Now, last night I kind of took a trip on YouTube and you just start stumbling upon stuff on, you know, what, what the suggestions are and whatnot. 
and an old USAC midget race from Santa Fe Speedway, which you visited back in, in your day, was on from like 1987 to watch that. And, of course, it suggests another similar video to that. So next thing you know, I'm watching all these USAC midget and sprint car races, uh, race movies, uh, videos from the old Thursday Night and Saturday Night Thunder that was on uh, ESPN. Yes, ESPN had dirt track racing on ESPN and ESPN2 back in the day. And just a lot, a lot of fun looking at those videos and that. And uh, how, how have you been passing the uh, the days here? Well, I've given up on iRacing. Um, you know, I'm not a big computer uh, or video game guy to begin with. And uh, it was entertaining the first week. The second week got a little bit less. Then it got a little bit less. And then you know, I started getting ridiculous, like when Bubba Wallace lost a real-life sponsor over an iRace. And then... You had uh, the Kyle Larson incident where he dropped the end bomb uh, during a NI race as well, and uh, all the backlash, and uh, which you know obviously well deserved, but that that came with that. Um, you know, I think the the happiest uh, this you know this week has been the happiest that NASCAR has been in about a month, considering that uh, they're not making. <laughs> you know, uh, huge headlines for ridiculous reasons. So, uh, you know, that they're happy that they're kind of just kind of flying under the radar and actually had a quiet week. That's awesome that you found some Santa Fe speedway, uh, footage on YouTube that, uh, the track of my youth there. And, uh, my dad would take me out there. We'd probably go out there about 10 times a, a year. And, uh, either for the demolition derbies or, you know, the stock car racing and stuff like that. Always had a great time out there. And that, uh, you know, I had a couple birthday parties out there when I was a kid and, you know, just definitely instilled because of Santa Fe, my love for racing in general, but also, you know, I know it was clay track, but, you know, dirt track and, all that kind of stuff, the, the local racing and just the feel around the track that comes along with it. You know, you're able to sit there and being a little kid and you can see these huge groups of guys just, you know, car goes in the pits and every, it's just a mad dash. Everybody trying to change the tires, fix up the damage and everything like that. Just definitely instilled a love of racing at a young age for me. Yeah, it certainly has, and uh, a neat, neat racetrack, which uh, unfortunately was in too good of an area, right? <laughs> the, the, yeah. The, yeah, the real estate of, became too valuable, so. Lots and of fancy homes around there that didn't like yeah. the uh, the noise and didn't like uh, the people that, uh, that would come out to the track. They were uh, too much of the common folk, I guess, and uh, they got it shut down, but... Um, you know, like my dad did with me, I'm trying to do the same thing every time we go up to uh, to Sturgeon Bay. They've got uh, the Hill Raceway at the Door County Fairgrounds, which is about five minutes from my house up there. And, uh, anytime there's any kind of racing going on over there, I don't care what it is. I bring the kids out there and, and have a fun night. And, uh, you know, it's great because with the smaller local tracks like that, after the show is over, you know, they open up the pits. You can bring your kids into the pits. You get the cards with the pictures of the driver and the, and the cars on them, and they'll sign them. And, uh, you know, a lot of the guys are really cool, and they'll come out and, you know, talk to the kids for a little bit and everything like that. So, you know, it's uh, it's a lot of fun, and my kids really enjoy it, and hopefully uh, it lights the racing fire for them. And, uh and they get to uh, to enjoy racing for their life as well. Um, I, I did want to mention our Facebook page. I want to just get this in before I forget, because then we start talking about other stuff, and I totally forget about it. As 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 a lot of the listeners are aware, we we have a the TFI, the Final Inspection Motorsports Show on 105.7 FM, the fan on Facebook. And please, we recommend that you guys like that. 
for not only for racing tidbits and news that we post on there uh, 24-7, but also a uh, buddy of mine, Scott Krieger, I give him a tip of the hat. He's been uh, kind of the curator of uh, Pat Heaney, local racer and racing historian uh, in the Milwaukee area and has done a lot of, of stuff uh, for the local tracks and preserving the history, which is awesome. But he's also has a pretty cool photo collection, has been you know, accumulating collections through the last few years. And uh, Scott's been uh, doing a fantastic job scanning a lot of these slides and negatives and whatnot, and he's been posting them on our page. And if you want to kind of walk through... Uh, history book of, of the stuff that occurred at Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the Milwaukee Mile. Uh, Scott's been doing a terrific job with that. We certainly appreciate him uh, and the work he does on our page. So if you want to take a look, make sure you like our page. And uh, I think you guys will be pleasantly surprised by some of the photos. A lot of obscure stuff, too. And uh, it's a lot of fun, you know, trying to remember, oh, yeah, who drove that car and who was in this car. And he posted one of Spike Yellhausen of a car. A Jameson Racing Pen, old Penske PC7 I had totally forgotten about. And uh, so it was kind of cool seeing that car. Uh, let's get back to uh, current day. And uh, some news on the, um, on the, on, on the corona night, uh, or the coronavirus front, COVID-19 front. And uh, North Carolina. North Carolina is, is pushing. Uh, they have, they're not in a situation like we've had in Washington State and New York uh, City and that New Jersey. Uh, and they're trying to get back to a, a bit of normalcy uh, with the, you know, with the spacing and everything. And there's, I guess, the, the NASCAR has been deemed a racing industry and essential. So the shops are going to start opening up. And then I'm going to read a uh, letter here that we posted on that, the Facebook page here from Tim Moore, Speaker of the House of the North Carolina General Assembly, to Governor Cooper. Thank you for your continued service, North Carolina, through the unprecedented challenges of COVID-19 pandemic. As the state our e e uh, economy continues to slowly reopen with appropriate safety measures in place. That's you got to remember that. I write to you urge to modify your executive orders to permit Charlotte Motor Speedway to host NASCAR races without fans on Memorial Day weekend. NASCAR has affirmed its intention to return to racing in May, and the Coca-Cola 600 offers excellent opportunity to host an historic event in our state while, pri while prioritizing health and public safety by holding the race without fans. And there's also, so what, we're, what they're trying to do is kick off with the World 600 at Charlotte, or the Coca-Cola 600, and then do uh, Texas. Uh, and they're thinking of doing a Texas IndyCar doubleheader without fans, and then uh, then going to then the IndyCar series will go to uh, uh, Road America. So what what are, what do you think the chances are of this happening, Jeff? I hope it's very high. Uh, you know, I've said since uh, since this whole thing started that. Uh, you know, for a sport like auto racing, there's not a better sport for the social distancing thing. The, you know, the stands are huge. So, you know, you could even let in 10,000 people and, uh, or however many, you know, you could figure it out and you would be able to keep the social distancing and, and all that kind of stuff. You'd be able to figure out inventive ways to keep the team separate so you can, you know, have uh, somebody, you know, take the temperature of the team members and make sure that nobody's showing any symptoms or whatever. And you can keep, uh, you know, keep those guys just in their own group surrounded by no one but each other. And you'll be able to pit the cars. You'll be able to run the race. You'll be able to do all of that stuff. You know, would Victory Lane look a little different? Of course it would. You know, there wouldn't be the hundreds and hundreds of people surrounding Victory Lane. So, that would take a little bit of getting used to. And, there, you know, obviously there would be some differences. You would have to make it where pit stops wouldn't uh, wouldn't count against positions on the track because these guys, if you're going to do the whole social distancing thing, not all the teams would be allowed to pit on pit road. They, uh, some would have to pit in the garage. Some would have to pit elsewhere. But there's easy ways to do it. And, uh, you know, NASCAR and in, in, in auto racing in general, in my opinion, should have been going this whole time and you could have figured out a way to get it done 
The only issue would be like on track, at track security, where you got, you know, you got to have some guys out there to make sure that the teams are safe and, and stuff like that. But, you know, you could figure that out as well. So I I don't think it would be rocket science to uh, figure out a way to get this open, especially with no fans. I think uh, it would be very easy to do it with limited fans. And uh, you're not completely destroying the economy. You'd be the only game in town. The news coverage would be absolutely through the roof. Uh, The gambling from the guys that, you know, don't even watch NASCAR but are itching because there's no daily fantasy baseball or basketball or anything like that to bet on are going to pay attention. So it's just a win-win for racing, and they need to figure it out and hurry up because – you know, I know I'm itching to get some uh, get some sports on, which is one of the reasons why I think that I'm so angry about this Packers draft. As you look forward to the NFL draft, and finally you got something that actually has to do and is important in the sports world going on, and then you see what what Green Bay has done. But uh, they need to they need to hit the gas on this, get it going and figure it out and, and get started ASAP. You certainly do. All right, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll talk with Dennis Michelson, and uh, we're going to talk about Bill Elliott. Yes, Bill Elliott, the awesome Bill from Dawsonville, coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Final Inspection. Final Inspection. Now. Dennis Michelson of D-Mike Media is here to give us the inside track on NASCAR and the world of short track racing. Hey, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. And yes, joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is Dennis Michelson. Welcome to the show, sir. Mr. Zaki, how are you doing on this great Saturday? It is a lot going on in the sports world, and of course, the big 900-pound uh, gorilla, the NFL, is just scooping up everything. In fact, uh, we got some breaking news on the fan, which is brought to you by Dell Technology, small business pod, pod reference podcast series, which is launching on May 1st on radio.com and of course uh everybody watches the quarterbacks they're the big shiny shiny things in the draft and the colts have picked up uh jacob eason in the fourth round from washington so it'd be interesting uh for the colts to maybe cause a controversy in a year or two we'll see what happens and the other big news today and this is interesting so Joe Staley retires in the 49ers. You're thinking, oh, good, they they might take a step back. No, they get Trent Williams. So uh, the Redskins sent offensive lineman uh, Trent Williams to the 49ers for a fifth-round draft pick this year and a third-round draft pick next year. And uh, how about that, huh? Wow. That's yeah. a steal. It is. I mean, j- j- uh, Jeff, I mean, would would could the Packers have salvaged something if they did that this year? Jeff's not there anymore. Oh, Jeff is gone. Why? Well, you know, yeah, yeah. Dennis, you know, the Packer fans have been screaming about this draft. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it, it's more of a salary cap issue, I think. It wasn't so much the draft picks, but Trent Williams is a huge salary. And, you know, do you want to make that salary space for an offensive lineman is the question. Um, That's why he went so cheap. I mean, that's first-round talent, but he's no spring chicken. He's had injury problems, so and he's a big, big contract. So that's that's the difference. He's a great player, but... Will he be healthy, and is it worth the hit against your uh, salary cap? That's that's the big game there. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, switching over to uh, auto racing, uh, not a lot happening. Of course, NASCAR is starting. Uh, there's some uh, talk of uh, opening up, and there's some uh, glimpses there. So hopefully, we'll see some NASCAR racing in the next, and IndyCar racing too in the next 30 days or so. Um, but you know. Uh, the Bill Elliott thing, 
I, I teased it in the earlier. So I, I have, I never knew about this. Uh, it's, it's Bill Elliott goes up in an F sixteen and 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 almost dies. And are you, did did you hear about this when this happened back in the day? I had never heard of this story before. I was I was shocked when you said that to me, um, and, and I was I was like I was amazed that that stayed so quiet because that would be the story that would be like NASCAR folklore forever and ever, and I would think would put an end to all these little thrill ride things these guys usually do with the Air Force. But uh, that I had never heard that story before. That's and I. I usually have heard a lot of the weirder stories, or at least a rumor about them. This one was brand new to me. Let me let me set this up. Is uh, this? It's nineteen eighty seven, and this is from the Scene Vault with Rick Houston, which highly recommend. There's some really good stuff on there where they go into the old uh, where they go in and talk to some of the the older drivers and tell stories. And uh, it, just look up the Scene Vault on iTunes, and they also have a YouTube channel. Some really good content there. We highly recommend it. And uh, so, you know, Bill Elliott, this is, you know, 1985, 1986, 1987. He's the cat's meow running with that Coors Thunderbird, winning all the big races, especially on the super speedways. And he does a public service announcement for the Air National Guard. And he goes, you know, I really like to go for a ride in F-16. And Bill Elliott's a big superstar, and they get it all set up. And uh, so... They go to uh, Dobbins Air Force Base, which is outside of Atlanta, and they set it up. You know, Bill Elliott's in a two-seat F-16 with another F-16, and they also bring in two F-15s, F-15 Eagles, which are still flying, not as much as they used to. And they're going to do some combat maneuvers between uh, Dobbins Air Force Base and Augusta, Georgia. So they're going to do uh, two engagements. They're going to do some, like, fake dogfighting, and they're going to do uh, two engagements at 2,500 feet, and then they're going to do two at 14,000 feet. So, uh, Mitch, do you, let's let's take it up from Bill Elliott, and he's going to explain what happens when they start doing these maneuvers at 14,000 feet between uh, Bill and one F-16 and another F-16 and two F-15s from the Air National Guard. The the biggest thing about that stuff is you pull so many G's so long. So we, we did the, those couple of maneuvers. Then we climbed to 14,000, and I was looking down at the – it, it kind of had a screen of a heads-up display yeah. in, the, in the cockpit there, and I was kind of looking at it. And I saw one of the F-15s cross from left to right, and then I looked back down. When I looked back up, he was, he was on top of us, like at about 2 o'clock, and – I didn't know till I got the video out of our airplane that my guy tried to lock onto him, turned away, and then turned back. Yeah. But then we got on top. We, we were almost colliding, so my guy turns left. Oh. The other guy turns <laughs> left and pulls up, and our right wing goes through the belly of his airplane and cuts. And it hits. It, uh, F-15's got two engines. So it cut into the fuselage and caught him on fire for the, I guess, the right engine of his his airplane. Wow. So when he caught on fire, then he punched out. And then I'm looking at our damaged airplane. Could you see all this? I mean, did you see him? You couldn't focus on it. Okay. I mean, it happened so fast, literally so fast. I mean, hell, I'd run 200 miles an hour, and I'd never witnessed anything like I did. (laughs) You know, because by the time I looked up, you know, the canopy comes down to your elbows. You know, you're sitting in there. And, I mean, it was like the world on top of you. I mean, all I can remember seeing the bottom of the airplane. And I really didn't know what I was looking at till after I saw the video. So I lost communication with the guy flying the airplane. And I saw he was, he was trying to control the airplane and seemed like we had control. And he made a... a, a slow right-hand turn and came back around to where we had impacted, and there was a cloud of smoke. And then the other, you could see the guy parachuting down, and the other F-15 was circling around him as he was parachuting down. So then the guy wrote me a note. He says, I'm going to try it in landing configuration. If we lose control, we'll eject. And he had it underlined <laughs> three or four times. And I thought, okay, yeah, right, okay. And he yeah. passed this back to he you? passed this back to me. Holy cow. So... 
we're trucking along there, and I'm looking over the airplane, and the the part that's that I call a flap, it's called I think an aileron spoiler on that thing. It go, you got the aileron on the outer board. Well, it's gone. All aileron's gone on the right side. Oh my goodness! Then you got that flap, which is the aileron spoiler. It's turned straight up. And I look down the fuselage, and it's standing straight up at the back of the airplane, and I'm at the back of the wing. And I'm thinking, there, how in the world is this thing still flying? Yeah. So we get down low to the ground. It had two belly tanks. They eject the belly tanks. Or he tried. The one on the right side was so badly damaged it wouldn't come off. And I didn't know that. I couldn't see it because I was far back from the front of the wing. So we tool along there, and he, he slows down. He puts the gear down. I could see we, uh, we had three green. I knew where the gear was down and locked, uh, or I assumed. But then he started slowing down to about 180 knots. It wanted to break on the bad wing. So I knew that we had to be pretty fast. So, But anyway, we we get kind of all so, sorted out there. And I'm telling you what, it was an eternity from the time <laughs> we hit yeah. till the time we got back to the Air Force wow. Base. And I didn't know if this guy knew where he was at or anything else because he was from yeah. out out west. Uh, so when I saw Stone Mountain, I knew we were coming back to Dobbins, and we flew over Dobbins and all the stuff's out there, you know, the, the safety equipment, the ambulance, oh, trips, fire trucks. Good night, man. You know, and I'm thinking, holy crap, this is big. <laughs> 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 or this is going to be This big. is going to be big. <laughs> wow, Charlotte was nothing compared to this. <laughs> Even Talladega, but... Anyway, we go around, come in, he, he lands at 200 knots, puts that thing on the ground, and we get we get out, and I mean, the base commander, whoever the guy there was, he chewed him out at one side down there, because we had all the media there. It was supposed to be like a big deal, you know, Bill Elliott riding in a, uh, you know, Air Force jet or whatever, you know, da-da-da-da-da, and, and man, they took me in a room, and they drill me i they asked me well i wasn't flying man it was it was him. so you had you had to debrief yeah oh yeah two did hours. you really two hours wow and then they then what got in there and they said well you know we just need to emphasize nobody was hurt the other guy broke his little finger when he punched out and everything was okay and got back okay and all this stuff i said okay i i, I hear you i know what to say yeah. so we got out and everything was all good and you know, I found out the funny thing, or it wasn't funny, it, uh, you know, I look back on it, and it was like, man, you came within inches of dying that day. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. inches. I mean, and, and, heck, you've done all this stuff all your life and hit walls and run into things and all the things you've ever done, and you've never witnessed anything like that. And, you know, I get on the ground, I get out, and one of the guys looks at it, and he says, I've never seen one come back that's tore up that bad. And I'm thinking, wow, wow. Am I lucky or am I not lucky? You know, what? how do yeah. I read this one? But I found out a year later my ejection seat was not charged. So even if a guy no. Can you believe that, Dennis? His injection seat wasn't wow. charged. So he wouldn't been able to eject even if he did. <laughs> even if he had to. Oh, my goodness. We could a lot of dollars, you know million dollar bill yeah i mean that's an incredible that is story crazy. you know you, you go up for for you know a fun ride we're gonna have some fun do some banking and do and then you end up like that's like wow i guess i guess it's better that to be really lucky hard. than good as they say right <laughs> well you think all the times that he was racing it you know pre-restrictor plate days where he was just inches away from from death as well would be quite ironic if you know just a, on a joyride something bad happened to uh to a nascar racer that's that's just crazy it certainly is so well dennis uh any other news uh you got for us uh this week well, my, my article over at Front Stretch uh, about the Kyle Larson thing was rather well received. I was uh, very happy with the feedback I got on that this week. And uh, otherwise, you know, just uh, continue to uh, to follow me on uh, Twitter at DMikeMedia. Uh, 
for, if nothing else, tea time with the wildfire every Tuesday night. How cool is it that instead of uh, watching and announcing Ultimate Frisbee, I can have tea with the guys? That's, uh, you know, we need to get over this uh, coronavirus thing. Um, I'm starting to go crazy. Yeah, it is. Uh, well, if you got some money in your pocket, this is a kind of a cool deal. Uh, Richard Childress is launching a personal memorabilia auction to assist in uh, COVID-19 relief efforts, and that is available on, on eBay. If you uh, look it up on eBay and just look up a Richard Childress collection, you should be able to find it. And it's pretty cool. As uh, uh, The first time I met Richard Childress, and this is one of the interesting things, uh, you find out about people. Uh, I was at the A.J. Foyt auction back in 1992. A.J. Foyt had an auction at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And um, he was selling uh, probably a dozen race cars and some uh, some personal cars as well as engines. All sorts of stuff. Just, just thousands and thousands of items that he had accumulated uh, throughout the years. And I ran into Richard Childress there. I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. Well, you know, is there something you're... I asked him, you know, is there something that you're interested in? He goes, uh, yeah, I'm looking at those V6 uh, Chevrolet Indy engines. I go, oh, that makes sense. And uh, I said, well, I think you should be able to get them. You know, those things were, you know, basically sticks of dynamite they they would run run like the dickens for about 10 laughs but that's all about all you could get out of them and uh guys like stan fox and george schneider and that would qualify usually on the last day of uh qualifying with those but wouldn't last very long in the race but it was a neat program that chevrolet really never committed to uh that v6 program and uh, uh buick later uh, was a little more successful with it, actually uh, breaking the track record in 1985. But, uh, yeah, he actually uh, uh, purchased, uh, I think, two of them. And if you go through, I think there's a virtual reality. I did see those those uh, on a video one day in his museum. He he does have those uh, V6 Indy, Indy engines on, on display. So neat stuff but Richard Childress is a pretty interesting uh, guy he's a little more eclectic than you would think and uh, I'm sure he's got some pretty cool stuff there Dennis to, to go from selling uh, peanuts and popcorn out at Bowman Gray Stadium to becoming a multi multi-millionaire mm -hmm. in the racing business and, and one little thing about him is that driver's strike in 69 down at Talladega, if that thing didn't happen, NASCAR history and Richard Childress might be a whole lot different. We might not have had Dale Earnhardt in a Richard Childress car. So it's weird how these, these things that happen in history, they change history. And in Richard Childress's case, running that cup race, uh, when all the rest, a lot of the drivers went on strike, that gave him the money he needed to expand his business. It certainly did. Interesting stuff as always, Dennis, and we certainly appreciate you taking time out and uh, everything you do on on your side through DMAC Media and FrontStretch.com. And uh, I saw the Kyle Larson uh, article, very interesting, very compelling information there. And we look forward to chatting with you uh, next week, sir. And remember to head over to fakepigskin.com if you're a football fan, because yes. I'll be rolling out some analysis articles this week. Excellent. Well, we certainly appreciate it. And uh, please be brutally honest with those Packer picks so far. We appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I actually like the Packers picks so far. I might be in the minority there. But, of course, being a Chiefs fan, I love my Chiefs picks even more. Uh, yeah, Chiefs did okay there. Well, here, here, I will give you my a quick, before we move on here, I'll give you a quick 10-second synopsis. It's okay if you draft Jordan Love in, in, in the first round, and, and you, I understand that, but your next two picks better be solid, good picks that can step in right away. And I don't know if they did that, so we'll see what happens, though. Not a fan draft of drafting early, fullbacks. Draft is early, man. Draft is early. I know. Not not a fan of drafting fullbacks in uh, 2020. So, Dennis, we'll talk with you tomorrow. 
Or I should say next week. All right, Steve, behave yourself. All right, you too. That was Dennis Michelson on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. We'll be back with Larry Janicek. Three questions with Larry coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Final Inspection Show brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. And joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is sprint car legend, Larry Janicek. Oh, my God. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. And you, Steve? Uh, living the dream, sir. Living the dream. Or a for Packer fans, a nightmare. A little dreary here in Pewaukee, but it's not raining, it's not snowing, and so we'll take it anyway. This is true. I know that uh, you really enjoy interviewing people, Steve. And my first question to you is, can you name uh, three or four living or dead people that you'd like to interview or re-interview? Hmm. Well, I have to admit I've been very blessed to interview and spend time with some of the, the legends uh, that I have. That's a good question. Um... I would probably say, let's see, I only met him, but never really spoke extensively with him. Maybe Jackie Stewart? Oh, okay. Um, obviously, in the past, there's a lot. You know, guys like Eddie Sachs or, or just guys like, you know, Joe Weatherly or, you know, some of those guys that unfortunately passed before my time. Um, but, yeah, living... Um, let's see here. Yeah, by Jackie Stewart is one that kind of sticks out most. Um, other than that. No, I, I know you, you're friends with uh, Eddie Sachs Jr., if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah. Yes. How, how old was he when his father was killed? Two and a half. Two and a half, okay, so he has yeah. very little uh, recollection of him as a race car driver that that, um, it's quite interesting. I thought maybe Harry Miller might be on that list because I know you're quite involved in the annual uh, Miller meet at the Milwaukee Mile. Yeah, and I I read books on him and that, Mm -hmm. to be honest, he seems pretty dry. I don't think oh, it would okay. be a great interview. <laughs> you know, you like a little personality there, you know. It's just, sure, sure. You know, and some guys you can see through history that you know, you can tell who the who the fun guys. I mean, you know, let's face it, George Patton would have been a better interview than Dwight Eisenhower, though they're both compelling. But you know, you know, Patton was more fiery. You know, then Eisenhower mm-hmm. was more reserved and more measured. But that's why Eisenhower certainly got farther. Than Patton did in in the military, and then unfortunately later in life, because uh, mm-hmm. uh, yes. Patton was killed. But you know, it, it's you know, you, you you, it's the personalities that drive, you know, interest in you know whether it's sports, you know, music or or whatnot, even politics. So. Okay, here we go. Question number two: Name the Wisconsinite who was the crew chief. For two Indy 500 wins, uh, and I'll give you a hint: it was not in the first 50 Indy 500s. It was in the second. It's Owen Snyder. Run right? of, uh, pardon me. Owen Snyder. Yep. Uh, can you name the two drivers? Uh, Al Jr. and was it Cheever? Yes. Okay. Yep, Al Jr. in 92, Eddie Cheever in 98. And, okay, of course, now, his father his father was a famous midget driver who ran under the name Todd Barton. Ran exactly, that's midgets. half of this follow-on question I was going to okay. give you for an extra 1,000 points. 
<laughs> who are two of uh, Owen Schneider's famous racing relatives. You named his dad, who did race under a student's uh, a different name because of uh, he worked at uh, General Motors in Janesville, <laughs> and uh, so he didn't race under his real name. He raced under Todd Barton. Uh, there is one other one that's even more famous. Yes, that would be uh, Steve Kinzer, who is married to his sister, to Owen Schneider's sister. Daughter. Daughter. Yep. Yes. Dana. Yes. Yeah, very nice, yeah. very nice person. If you bought a Steve oh, Kinzer T-shirt, you 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 probably would have you probably bought it from her. And didn't even know it. Yep. Quite a nice lady. Yep. Speaking of ladies, my next question. Who was the first and only female car owner to win the Indy 500? And that was in the first 50 races that that happened. Um, Oh, are you talking about... um, it was a widow in the board track era? Uh, it was nineteen twenty nine was the race. Yeah, I think it was I think it was a widow. I think somebody or she she owned the car because her husband was killed and and she sold or she was in the process of selling it or was gonna, you know, sell it after the race or something. Is that it? Who is it Jimmy? The girl's uh, name was Maud. Yagle, Y-A-G-L-E, 1929, Ray Keach was the driver. Ray Keach. hmm Ray Keach, I think, was killed later that year. Oh, was he really? Or the following year, yeah. He didn't last yeah. long, unfortunately. There's quite a number of what that, that happened to Ray, win and then get killed the next season or two. Ray so Keach. I was, Swiker comes to mind right away. Yeah. Ray, Ray Keach I'd probably put in the bottom five to ten of lesser-known Indianapolis 500 winners. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got time for another? You bet. 1934, Indy 500 established a tradition that's still in effect and has been, except for a couple of strange situations in 1979 and 1997. What is it? Is that the Purdue Marching Band? Pardon me? The Purdue Marching Band? No, no. 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 It has something to do with the actual uh, oh, the racing part. Of... The 33, uh, 33 cars. Exactly. Yeah. And 34 was uh, the 33 cars, and after that, that was uh, considered the, uh, the number of cars in the field for eternity and... Do you know and how then, you figured uh, that out? You probably remember the situations that. Yeah. Uh, they they thought there was too many cars. I think the th- year or two previously they had 42 cars, and AAA came up with a uh, um, um, a formula for the track and the miles. I forget exactly how it is, and I'm awful at math. But they figured a uh, 500 miles at a two and a half mile. Uh, 30, uh, 500 miles on a two-and-a-half-mile oval, the formula indicated 33 cars. So mm-hmm. uh, old fan, older older race fans may remember uh, back in Milwaukee, uh, when, when the June race was a 100-miler, they only started 22 cars. Um, and then, however, in the 200-mile race, they started 26 cars, and that was because it was a longer race. And then... Oh, uh, and then when it was a 150-mile race, they started 24 cars. But that was part of that formula. However, that did not... But for one-mile dirt races, they only had 18. So, and I forget. Somewhere on, on the interwebs, I'm sure they have that formula. But there, it was so, so, something to do have with a formula. So, mm-hmm. yes. Larry, we certainly yeah. appreciate you taking time out. And uh, as, as ever, I always appreciate appreciate the questions because I never know which direction we're going to go and I thoroughly enjoy doing this so thank right, you for joining in these beforehand yeah we don't we don't this is right, off the fly exactly. and uh, that's 
that makes it even more fun. So we appreciate it and look forward to chatting with you next week. Okay, Steve. Thanks. Take care. Stay safe. All right. You too, buddy. And when we come back, we're going to talk with Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com. Find out what's going on in the world of road racing. Come up next on the Final Inspection Show. Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Of course, joining us is going to be Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com. And don't forget, after the first, the top of the hour, we'll be talking Packer, Packers draft pick and the NFL draft after the break. Eddie, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, how you doing, Steve? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, we're going to jump right into this because we're getting close to the top of the hour here. But uh, there, there, there's a concern in Formula One with some of the smaller teams with, with budget caps and, you know, teams are off and putting them behind for the start of the year. What, what are some of the, the concerns some of these smaller teams uh, have with Formula One now with everything that's happening right now? Oh, even the bigger teams have put a lot of people on furlough. And uh, Liberty Media went to the till and is distributing some money to these. They took like $1.6 billion to give to the smaller teams so they can survive through this. Uh, they're going through a thing where they want to have a, uh, a cap on spending for racing and Ferrari's resisting it saying that they're going to go some, do something else. And in today's state with, with, what we're going through with racing right now, even in the U.S., um, I think it's just absurd. Um, some of these teams are spending an upwards of over $300 million a year to race, and these smaller teams just can't can't sustain these kind of, you know, financial burdens to try to keep people on the payroll to get through it. And I think it's going to be uh, very difficult. I think you're going to see teams – fall to the wayside, uh, especially, you know, like Renault. I mean, I don't, you know, they're losing some of their customers and they're not going to have the funds coming in like Mercedes has got with servicing customers. That's pretty well, much it. It's, in a, it's a also nutshell. to deal with the customer base too. Yeah. Well, it's true. I mean, if you look at the customer base, the customer base between uh, Renault and Mercedes are certainly wide because the customer Renault has does not have the power, money, whatever you want to call it, that a Mercedes customer may have. So, And also, dealing with the French market right now, what's occurring in France and then what's occurring in Germany, is there's a lot of issues with both both economies going on at this time. So it's going to be interesting. And at, what, nine teams in Formula 1? They can't afford to lose anymore because, we, I mean, all of us who follow Formula 1 is wondering, how long is Haas going to be in this? I mean, Haas started off kind of well. They were, like, over overperforming. And now it seems like in the last two years they certainly have underwhelmed. So it'll be interesting to see because I don't, and I'm sure you agree with me, we don't see any other teams coming into Formula One, and and you look at Ferrari too. Ferrari's always done this. For I mean, remember Ben in the late '80s, they 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 were gonna go racing kart. They even built a. If you go to the, the Ferrari museum in the Marinello, there's a, a kart Indy car in their museum because they were gonna go uh, quit F Formula One and go uh, racing Indy cars. So, you know, this wow. is nothing new. Wow, I for totally, Ferrari. totally. I totally don't think that they're going to go IndyCar racing. Uh, and I think no. that they want to stay there. They're just trying to leverage, you know, the yep. Ferrari always tries to lever- leverage the rules in their favor. But getting back to that with Renault, uh, totally. I, I mean, I know you guys laughed five, six years ago when I said Formula E, you guys just sat there and laughed at me. And, and right now, with all the manufacturers going that route, I don't see how that's going to happen. You know, I mean, that Formula One is at a very serious crossroads with existing because nobody can keep up to this financial burdens. And when you only have, like, two teams that can win a race, what's in it for these smaller teams that have to bring all that money? 
Exactly. And uh, we were talking about it earlier uh, in the hour here about uh, IndyCar and NASCAR trying to get back on track here, pardon the pun. And it looks like uh, NASCAR might open with Charlotte. And then uh, also Texas is talking about do, possibly doing a double header, uh, NASCAR IndyCar double header with no fans. And uh, you, you wonder with uh, a, a lot of rookie, uh, a lot of a lot of rookies in the IndyCar series starting off with Texas. Uh, does that cause you any concern, uh, Eddie? Well, I think that's not the place you really want to start your season in IndyCar racing. I would say totally, especially when these guys have been sitting and doing eye racing for the last two months. I think that that is not a good idea. I think it's going to be very costly, and I, I just hope nobody gets hurt because you got a really stellar rookie field in IndyCar racing, probably the best in a long time. I mean, we thought we had a good rookie season last year, but now this year it's even better. And I think with those guys going to Texas, I think it's just playing with fire, basically. It'll be interesting to see what happens. And real quick here, as we get to the top of the hour, tell me about uh, Bruno Spangler and his uh, iRacing uh, connection with BMW. Well, I actually talked to him the other day because we were laughing. I said, are they going to BOP for the next race? And, you know, balance of performance. Because I think, obviously, in in the sports car world, iRacing, BMW has an advantage. Somehow their computer... Uh, uh, experts have found a way because I even watched the last race at Laguna Seca and he was just flawless. I mean, flawless. And I know he's good, but I just think that they have something that nobody else has. Kind of like Penske and IndyCar. Because Penske's been dominating over there. So be interesting to see right. what happens. Eddie, Eddie, we certainly appreciate you taking time out and uh, we'll chat with you next week on the Final Inspection Show. Definitely. I look forward to it. And hopefully June 6th at Texas, we can get back at least something in the real world of racing. Yeah. Looking forward to it. That was Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com and the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Has your passion outgrown your home? A Great Midwest Bank home renovation loan may give... The space may give you the space it deserves. Visit GreatMidwestBank.com today. Simply local lending, Steve, since 1935. Coming up next, we're going to talk some NFL draft on the Final Inspection Show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.